You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you're a 415 you're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. And more. Welcome to the 415 hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. Hey, what is going on, everyone? Welcome into a special edition of the 415ers podcast. Coming at you, as always, three times a week on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network. Evan Giddings, Mark Grandy. Download, rate, and subscribe. Five stars are much appreciated. It's a Black Friday edition of the 415ers. Uh, no promo codes to give away uh, today, Mark. But uh, how was your Thanksgiving? How was the day of turkey and football? Uh, it was good, Evan. Thanks so much. Uh, good to be on you here with the uh, 415ers once again. Spending time with family this weekend, watching some football, watching some soccer. Uh, a lot of fun. How was yours? It was pretty good. Uh, I did have to work a little bit on Thanksgiving Day, but woke up early. Uh, me and my dad put together a couple of pies. Nice. And then the, the work actually turned out to be perfect because I got back around 5.30, right as the turkey was coming out. Mm. Uh, I know some people do kind of a, an early afternoon Thanksgiving all-day kind of feast where you just throw the food out at 2 o'clock and then you eat <laughs> as soon as, you know, about halfway uh, through the afternoon game and then you go into the night game. But uh, for me, it was pies in the morning and then turkey at night. Nice. I mean, I, I, uh, I was in charge of the desserts for our family, so I made a couple of pies, made some cookies and all that, and uh, they were a hit. So I consider this a win, a win for Thanksgiving. What kind of pies? I made a pumpkin pie, an apple pie, and then I made chocolate chip cookies. I'm kind of the baker of the family. So <laughs> Yeah, there you no go. No big deal. <laughs> no, no biggie. Just, just a little shameless uh, food plug there. No, it's... um. No, I, I did a I did a sweet potato pie instead of a mm. pumpkin pie. It's just a little little bit more to my to my liking, and then apple pie, of course. Um, it was it was relatively bare bones of the Giddings household, but we had a good time, anyways. Nice. Uh, and a lot of good football yesterday, I might yeah. add as well. Uh, shockingly, some some good games as the morning game might have been the best of the three. Bills and Lions goes down to the wire. Uh, the Bills beat the Lions twenty eight to twenty five. I was so close to jumping on this podcast and telling you I told you so, Mark. But I, I feel like the fact that they even took it that far is is sort of a win. I don't know. I mean, yeah, 28-25, they, they tied it up in the final minute. And you're thinking, all right, we're heading to overtime. We're going to get some extra football on Thanksgiving. But uh, Josh Allen had uh, other ideas, and they kicked a, a game-winning field goal as time expired. So not quite, but... Hey, I uh, I credit you for putting that out there because that's that was a pretty bold take and it almost came true. Just uh, Josh Allen's greatness, a little too much to overcome. Yeah, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, shockingly, were better than Jared Goff and <laughs> Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, uh, the Cowboys 
defeat the Giants. I know the final score is 28-20. That was kind of marred by a garbage-time touchdown. Uh, Cowboys took care of business in Dallas in the second half against the Giants. So not necessarily the best result uh, for the 49ers. Um, I, I guess it didn't really matter either way because the Eagles are on the top of that division. Uh, but I just feel like the Cowboys are a team that, that could get hot down the stretch here. And then finally, of course, the Vikings. That's a game that everyone, of course, had their eye on here in the Bay, hoping that the Patriots could find a way against primetime Kirk Cousins, who and we're talking about shocking performances. Uh, the fact that Kirk Cousins threw three touchdown passes in a primetime game, got the win 33-26, that might be a bit of an eyebrow raiser uh, for anyone who has followed Kirk Cousins' career on primetime television. That's wild. I mean, that was probably the most unlikely scenario. Maybe the, the Vikings pull out a win, but uh, Kirk Cousins isn't the one leading the way, but he did. Um, yeah, you mentioned Niners, their rooting interest certainly were rooting for the Patriots in that one. It, it fell a little bit short. I thought it was impressive the way the Patriots still put up 26 points against the Vikings defense. I think their defense is gettable. I don't think it's, it's as good as it has been in years past. We'll keep an eye on that as the season moves along, but, uh, fun football games all day long on Thanksgiving for sure. Yeah. I always find it interesting to like, I wonder how many 49ers were, uh, just sitting around watching games, uh, having fun. Like I know Kyle Shanahan kind of mentioned in a press conference earlier this week, like he doesn't really want some of the young guys to be <laughs> taking this as a holiday, even though technically it is because they do have a game on Sunday. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wonder if it is like a uh, relax, just wait and see, or if, I don't know, maybe a couple of those uh, 49ers were popping a few pumpkin nails. You know what I mean? I mean, you you got to have some time, you know, to, to go home with your family and, and hang out a little bit. Kyle Shanahan, he could be upset at that if he wants, but I, I know he's not. But uh, you, you got to take some time <laughs> away. You got to take a little bit. I think he also said he was he was what a green bean casserole guy, and then uh -huh. his wife's noodles. I, I I I'm sure that the noodles are a, a Shanahan only type situation. But I was a little interested, uh, shocked to see the green bean casserole be the first on his list. We had green bean casserole on our dinner table last night, but um, I mean they're they're good, but it's not not the top of my list. Yeah, I that's not a, that's not your first round pick. Mm -mm. Maybe I'm in the minority here, but I am a stuffing guy. I love so are, are you trading stuff. three first round picks for stuffing? <laughs> are they are they high first round picks? I don't know. Well, I, either way, uh, I, I think the fact that you're willing to trade up for some stuffing. Do, do you do anything <laughs> specific? Is it like, uh, I don't know. Do you, I, I've heard some people put sausage in, in the stuffing. Some mm, people no. put, uh, like cornbread or. No, I think I mean relatively straightforward, uh, you know, stuffing. We got let's see what do we have in it. We have onions and apples and we put some mushrooms in there and a few other things what else celery sometimes um and then you know obviously you stuff the turkey with it get all the those good juices in it and then it's it's just the best wow that sounds like part. the 49ers offense you got multiple options out there <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah, well I'm just i'm just trying to try to help you out there mark sounds delicious uh fantastic thanksgiving for the 415ers and um no, that, that kind of takes us to, to where we want to start the episode today. Obviously, we'll get into a preview of the Saints. Uh, we'll talk a lot about that game coming up on Sunday. A sneaky, tough game, I think, for the 49ers. Um, we're also going to discuss kind of the like the, the flip-flopping that has gone on offensively for the Niners this year of being you know, bad at the beginning of the season, the first half, or pardon me, being bad in the, in the second half, being 
uh, fast in the first half and, until now, which is like it completely flipped the script where the four ers seem to start slow and then come on about second half, second quarter um, and just run away from their opponents. So we're going to examine that. But I want to start, as you mentioned, right there with the stuff in the turkey, the offense uh, that is the 49ers right now. And I, I, I know that like every single football game, Mark, there is a, a prisoner of the moment aspect for each individual. I mean, we're talking about how Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs are fantastic down the stretch against the lions. Well, you know, they're coming off of two straight losses. People are wondering what's going on with Josh Allen. He's turning the ball over in the end zone. Um, but I don't know if there's a more prisoner of the moment player in football right now than Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think it's because of how the Niners have looked as of late, obviously with their first winning streak of the season dating back before the bye week and how good Jimmy Garoppolo has played for about a month at this point over the three games. I, I, I just think it's interesting how, you know, we go from the Denver game at the beginning of the year. Well, people are talking about how it's his worst game ever. It's, you know, the Niners going to be just immediately back into mediocrity and then they make the trade for McCaffrey. And a few weeks later, it's wow, Jimmy Garoppolo might be a top ten quarterback this year. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if there's a more a bigger prisoner of the moment player than Jimmy G. Mark. I think that's an interesting point, and I was kind of thinking about this as well. And it it made me, you know, try to track down another four game stretch that he's had in his career similar to this one. Um, you know, you go through his numbers the last four games, the last four games he's played in. On average, he's com- completing. What he's he's completing 21 of 30 passes every game on average over the last four games for about 250 yards, averaging two touchdowns per game over those four games and less than one half of an interception. He's thrown one interception in these four games. Um, those are pretty good numbers. Again, you're, you're throwing for uh, 250 yards, two touchdowns, less than a half of an interception per game over the last month. Let's go back to 2019, which is widely considered Jimmy Garoppolo's best season as a quarterback, best full season, really his only full season to this point. Weeks 12 through 15, so four games, 12, 13, 14, and 15. On average in those games, he's completing 19 of 27 passes, really similar. 242 yards per game, a little bit less, but still in the in the same neighborhood. And over those four games, two touchdowns, same interception totals, less than a half per game, one total over those four games. So he's had stretches like this in the past. This is just the first one that I could find back in 2019. But then he follows it up the next week with one touchdown and two interceptions. So I'm not saying that's going to happen again here in 2022, but we're probably getting a little ahead of ourselves saying, oh my God, this is suddenly a different quarterback. He's now a top 10 guy in the league. Don't get me wrong. The last two episodes, we've been singing his praises because he deserves it for his play over the last month, as you mentioned. But he has had stretches like this before, and generally he will have moments that leave you scratching his head. Maybe he has turned a corner, and maybe this is the new Jimmy Garoppolo. It's not always going to be four touchdowns a game, of course. But if he can avoid those bad games where he commits more turnovers than, than touchdowns, where he is the reason why his team is behind early or falling behind, or he can't put together an important drive in, in the second half. If he can avoid those moments, like he hasn't been able to at times in the past, then I think we can start considering this a different new quarterback. But at this moment, just yet he's had stretches like this in the past. I'm not ready to make that sort of statement just yet. 
Yeah, I, I don't think he's a new quarterback, but I I do feel like he is a better version of himself in that this month-long, uh, for him, extended period of time that he's played well yeah. is repeatable, and it has to do primarily with the players around him. Now, I think I, think I saw a stat during the Cardinals game that Jimmy Garoppolo has it gets three games without an interception is his, is his longest streak without throwing a pick. Um, he also hasn't fumbled. He hasn't turned over the football at all over those three games. So I do want to give him credit for that. And, and maybe that's kind of previewing a little bit where I think we're going to go with the saints as far as some regression uh, overall for the Niners. At least that's the way that I feel Mark. Um, but Jimmy Garoppolo is, I think he is in a different scenario. I think he is in a different situation because he has the benefit, like he did in 2019, of a quality running game, of a solid offensive line. I, see, I think there's still some questions there uh, that haven't reared their ugly heads yet, but could put, potentially be coming. He maybe has his best defense ever, and as we've discussed in recent episodes, there could be even another level that this defense could get to with the absence of Eric Armstead, along with a couple of other guys on defense. So Jimmy Garoppolo has got all of that around him. The difference this year is he has a superstar weapon on offense alongside him and one that he can deliver the ball to obviously on a handoff on a dump off. We discussed the impact of Christian McCaffrey ad nauseum in the last episode. And that to me is why I believe that although Jimmy Garoppolo is someone who we we tend to swing back and forth on in a polarizing manner because of how quickly he can go from oh yes to oh no. But this prisoner of the moment thing that surrounds Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, on a week-to-week basis, I think is going to trend more so in the positive direction, at least in the regular season, because of who he is surrounded by. And to me, that's the difference this year. The X factor is that he has the best team around him that supports him, especially on offense, in a way that I don't think we've seen yet with Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, the, the difference, I just I went down all those numbers, you know, very similar four game averages for Jimmy Garoppolo these last four games and then back in 2019. But you're right. The difference is the talent that he has offensively around him. Not saying that 2019 offense was bad by any stretch. I mean, that stretch of games towards the end of the season in 2019 was with Emmanuel Sanders, who kind of allowed this offense to reach a, a different gear. But, you know, Emmanuel Sanders, a rookie Debo Samuel, uh, George Kittle and, uh, you know, Raheem Mostert in the backfield, they just there's no comparison. They're not nearly as talented and dynamic as this group uh, that the Niners have on offense with McCaffrey, with Debo Samuel, with Kittle, with Ayuk, with Elijah Mitchell as well, kind of as the, as the change of pace back in the backfield alongside Christian McCaffrey. So I'm with you if there was. One thing that gave me confidence that this was not just a trend, not just, a, I don't know, something that stands out, something that could lead into future success for Jimmy Garoppolo. It is because of that offense that you laid out and everyone that he has to utilize. And I think really we, we've, we've talked about this a little bit in the past, but Christian McCaffrey is really just the, the perfect, perfect skill set player to, to put alongside Jimmy Garoppolo because their skills and what they do best just work 
perfectly for each other. Obviously, I mean, this offense would be more talented than the 2019 team. I think even if McCaffrey wasn't on the roster, if it was just Elijah Mitchell and then Debo and Kittle and Ayuk, but with McCaffrey, they just reach a different level because what he does well is exactly what Jimmy Garoppolo does well and works as a perfect security blanket. So I'm with you in that this this offense and the weaponry they have alongside is, I think, a big reason why in a couple of weeks we could be talking about this as Jimmy Garoppolo's best six-game stretch, best seven-game stretch of his entire career because he's never had players like this that he can rely on consistently throughout his entire career. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Yeah, this is uh, the four one fivers Odyssey Sports Podcast Network three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Today we're going to be talking about the New Orleans Saints and the matchup that's coming up this weekend: six and four Niners against a four and seven Saints team. Sticking with Garoppolo, though, I, it, I don't want to make it sound like it is in spite of him the success that the Niners are having on offense, because you do need to play at a you know an admirable level to achieve the things that the, the Niners' offense has done over the last three weeks. I know you could point to some of the competition that they faced, and that's why I do think the Saints will be kind of a bigger or different test for Garoppolo in this 49ers offense uh, on Sunday. But I, I, if you told me that Garoppolo, you know, in, with whatever he has around him, is playing his best football, I, I would also believe you just because I do think there's more experience under Shanahan He's coming off of surgery and now that has corrected whatever you know sort of ailments he had down the stretch of last season. Um, and, I, and I also do think coming off the bench and, and being the backup this year returning has humbled him a little bit. I, I think it allows him to play with a little more freedom because he knows that, look, the sky is the limit or like he is only moving up at this point. I mean, his his stock had hit rock freaking bottom before this season to the point where even, you know, a lot of it having to do with the surgery, but like we talked about in the last episode, no one wanted to trade for him. Teams like the Carolina Panthers that are now wondering what the hell they're doing. They've already fired their head coach this year. Like, he could have been in a situation like that, and instead they went on a guy, Baker Mayfield, who's supposed to be a young, more promising guy with potential, and he's been arguably the worst quarterback in football this he's year. Already, he's already been benched twice. <laughs> exactly. Like, they, they are in a... Well, they, they got issues in Carolina, but Jimmy Garoppolo could have been a quarterback in one of those situations. 
and they didn't even want him to the point where now people are looking at Jimmy G as a quarterback that you might have to pay 20 to $25 million for next year. So he has done a complete 180 of where his image was before the season until now. And I just think that it looks like he's having more fun playing football than ever. He is still the even kill guy, which I appreciate in and out of the locker room. So he still remains the leader, the captain that all of um, his teammates have come to his defense for in the past. And that's typically how players sort of lead their postgame pressers. When they talk about Jimmy, they start first with the man that he is and then the quarterback second. But I do think that there is just kind of a, a different air around him this year that in addition to all the weapons that he has, has allowed him to kind of step his game up a bit. Yeah, I think it's it's probably a combination and we'd be doing him, you know, a disservice. I mean, we, we talked about it a lot on, on both the, I guess it was the Tuesday version, but the after the Monday night football game and then also the Wednesday version of the podcast talking about how Jimmy Garoppolo has improved and how he's he's making less of those turnover worthy plays and and he's taking fewer sacks and he's avoiding second and third and longs more often. And you certainly have to credit him for that. Um, but a lot of it, of course, belongs to the rest of the offense and how well they're playing. I think the offensive line deserves a shout out as well. They've played really well for how young they are. You know, there's been some issues. Uh, pass protection hasn't been as good as as maybe the run blocking. Um, you're looking specifically on the right side of the line at, at Mike McGlinchey, I know that he's his his strong suit is the run blocking side of things and hasn't been as good in the pass blocking. But I mean, you look at the young guys. Uh, Spencer Burford, who, who's kind of been, you know, they're they're kind of replacing him going in and out with Daniel Brunskill in that right guard position. On the left side, Aaron Banks is is holding his own. Brendel at the center spot, and then of course the stalwart Trent Williams, who is always fantastic. Maybe he had one of his best games, by the way, on Monday night uh, against Arizona in Mexico City. He was he was incredible. But really, the the entire offense deserves credit. But it, I mean, there's no question, Jimmy Garoppolo is the quarterback. He's leading the charge you're going to play as well as he plays and uh, credit him because he's playing well. And that's, that's why the Niners are in the middle of their best stretch of the season right now. Yeah. And looking at his weapons too, just, you know, comparing it back to that stretch you mentioned in 2019, Debo Samuel is obviously a far superior receiver than he was his rookie season. Mm -hmm. I don't know if the Niners in 2019 had a guy like Brandon Ayuk that could create space in third and shorts red zone situations. Um, I know Ayuk has had, <clears throat> pardon me, some issues with drops, especially in that Chargers game, but I just, I feel like there, there's more of a, a, a complementary set of weapons, guys that do different things that take pressure off each other. It all starts with McCaffrey. Uh, George Kittle is maybe the only player that I think you could argue has regressed a bit, <laughs> but he contributes in so many other areas outside of just catching the football that it's a little bit of a mute point. By the way, did, did you know that George Kittle uh, right now is on pace through his first six seasons to be the to be like a top four tight end when it comes to receiving yards? Um, I didn't I didn't know that specifically. No, uh, I could have guessed it was pretty high though, considering uh, I mean there aren't a ton of really great receiving tight ends in the history of the NFL, and he had one of the highest single season receiving yard numbers from the tight end position a while back. So it doesn't surprise me, but I didn't know exactly the details. That's pretty impressive. Okay. So right now he's got 4,913 yards for his career to this point. The only people in front of him through their first six seasons are Antonio Gates, 
Kellen Winslow Sr., Travis Kelsey, Jimmy Graham, and Rob Gronkowski in that order. It's a pretty good list. And it's not bad. <laughs> now, I, now, this year, Kittle's averaging about 50 yards per game, so if he maintains that pace, he would end up, I believe, right behind Kelsey. Um, but I, I just thought it was kind of fascinating because maybe it's weird. Obviously, Kittle was prolific early on in his career, his first like three seasons, especially that second and third season, um, catching the football. But it, it's weird now. It's like I almost don't even associate him with the the thirteen hundred you know yard season of himself. I'm not saying you have to put up a thousand yards every single year, like like Kelsey or you know Gronk or some of these other big name tight ends. Um, but it's like. Kittle's just like a kind of a hybrid tight end now, a guy that can beat you down the field like he did against Arizona. But this week, he might only catch one football. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's also similar to what we're talking about, about the offense in general and all the weapons Jimmy Garoppolo has. You know, you look back to that that season where, where George Kittle, you know, set a new single-season tight end receiving yards record his second year in 2018 with 1,377 yards, first of all. I think it was C.J. Beathard, his college teammate, and, and Nick Mullins throwing him the passes. That That's one thing. But the other thing is, who else on that offense were the 49ers going to put the ball in, in the hands of? I mean, there's not many other players there. So it kind of funneled all the targets and all the touches to George Kittle, which is the complete opposite of how that's working this year. Um, so maybe it's, it's you know, a slight negative for, you know, individual stats, which we've also talked about and, and trying to keep everyone happy. Um, but you still can't diminish the impact that George Kittle has on the game, whether or not he's he's putting up, you know, 80 yards for two touchdowns like he did on Monday night or not. He's still having a, a gigantic impact. I know we like to joke around that he's a he's a really good offensive lineman. Um, that's true. I mean, he is. Um, he is. But when he's asked to, to, you know, go out in the pass game as well, he's pretty good at that. So, yeah, no, the, the look, I make a lot of ineligible men downfield jokes whenever Kittle catches I, the ball. But I think there were like five of them when we were watching the game on Monday night together. So, well, he, he look, he was, he's getting a lot of routes. I mean, that's a lot that's of pretty good for a left tackle. It's, it's not bad. He's pretty fast, <laughs> uh, a little undersized, but he's got good feet. Um, uh, yeah, no, it's well, okay. So Kittle, this will take us to our, our next place. We want to go here on the four one fivers is basically, you know, the, the 49ers have on offense, as Jimmy Garoppolo has like done a 180 on how they how they have won or their their sort of uh, equation to to winning the first half to now the second half of I guess the first half of the season, but like their first three four games mark it felt like they would come out of the gates they'd get some points in the first quarter maybe a touchdown uh, ten points they'd be able to basically create some sort of uh, cushion for themselves and then whether they'd be able to hold on or not. It, you would see it slip away in some sort of fashion to set in the second half. And we're, you know, discussing after the Denver game, um, maybe after, after the chiefs game, Oh, you know, well, Shanahan in the second halves, what's what is going on with Shanahan and Leeds in the second half. Oh my gosh. Well, the last three games, it's been the exact opposite where they have not fallen behind to every opponent, but it's been relatively even after the first 15 minutes. And, then they have just boat raced these opponents that they've been up against Los Angeles, well, both Los Angeles teams, I guess Rams chargers and now Cardinals. Um, have you sensed anything different from Shanahan? Because it, especially against the Cardinals, like I, I do think that 
he had to go off script earlier than he would have liked after two possessions that gained one first down. Then they go on to score in four straight possessions. That to me is a bit more that it's got to be off script, off script Shanahan. And I mean, do, do the slow starts then like worry you any more than I guess maybe some of the slow second halves worried you earlier on this year? It's an interesting conversation because I remember having this, you know, same discussion, but flipped as you laid out in the past, like this team is is playing well in the first quarter and, you know, maybe even into the second quarter, but then they just simply can't score points in the second half. And we talked about how, you know, Kyle Shanahan, there was a, a, a great, you know, kind of mathematical deep dive on 538 and they kind of broke down the numbers saying when Kyle Shanahan is on script, his plays and, and the play calls are fantastic. And, you know, the EPA, the expected points added of his on scripted plays are fantastic. But then once he gets off that script, it takes a giant dive. And that was kind of flipped from the 2019 season when the team played really well and went to the Super Bowl. Um, but now it's kind of switched back once again. And the Monday night game against the Cardinals is I think the perfect example. You mentioned the first two drives, they do nothing, and then they score on four straight drives. And and we I remember talking about, would you want your offense to be great early and then so-so eh, eh, late, or would you want it to struggle early and then be great late? And I think we both decided that I want them to be great late. You want the team that adjusts in second halves. You want the team that is wearing teams down in second halves, that is getting chunk plays on the ground in second halves, and that is winning fourth quarters. And that has happened more so recently than it has early in the year. I, th I, I have a harder time explaining the lack of success on the scripted plays than I do just saying I think this is now a Niner offense with all their weapons. They've been together for like a month now. They, they're feeling more comfortable with each other. That seems to explain to me why the second halves have gone better recently you kind of look at that Chiefs game, I think, as the turning point. The Niners offense started really good in that Chiefs game and then struggled in the second half, and that coincided with the defense falling apart against Mahomes. But against the Rams, against the Chargers, a little to a lesser extent versus the Chargers, and then again against the Cardinals, it's been dominant second halves for the 49ers. A lot of that is, is because of the defense giving up zero points, but the offense also playing better in those second halves. I'm not sure how to explain away, Evan, the, the, the struggles on those scripted plays recently, but I think the success of the second half on the offensive side is just because this offense now is finally comfortable with each other. They have so many weapons as we've talked about and what's the result of those two things kind of converging. It's putting up more points and we've seen that. Yeah. And, and to take it a bit further, I also think that, the difference, and it does come down, I think, to McCaffrey, but I think there's just been also a little more improvisation in the offense. And, and maybe some of that familiarity, the, the comfort you're talking about, is because Garoppolo is is okay making that second, third, or fourth read more so than he was at the beginning of the season when he really, as he talked about, didn't have a training camp, was coming off an injury, maybe had to rely more on some of those scripted plays that Shanahan had success with. I'm not sure why they're not working now as opposed to before. I mean, you'd imagine with more tools in your toolbox on offense that you'd be able to scheme up some stuff that would continue to be successful. But we're splitting hairs here with that. I do think that the second halves um, offensively 
and you know just sort of the the reactions that 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 they have to make are because they have a a hue of creative players that can make plays like they, they just have a ton of playmakers on offense and they have so many different as kind of we talked about in the episode these different styles of players that complement each other there's about three or four guys that can beat you within five yards of the line of scrimmage. There's two or three guys that can beat you if they get the ball behind the line of scrimmage. There are maybe two, perhaps three guys that can beat you downfield. Um, There are multiple levels for this offense to attack that I think were different from even earlier on this year. Uh, I also think that defensively, there's a little more trust with guys being healthy and being back than there was before, which could have led to some of those leads slipping away. Health does have to do with in general, but I think that's why you see a guy like Fred Warner come out and say, Hey, we're running two or three plays against these guys. We, we just, we just kind of think that we're, we're better than them. I mean, he, the last part I, I ad lib, but, <laughs> but, but that's, that's essentially what he is telling me when he's like, when he's at the podium saying, yeah, we didn't really switch much stuff from first to second half. Uh, Nick Bosa kind of just sick them on the quarterback. And that's just how the game went. Like, D- don't get Fred in any trouble there. Okay. No, I'm not trying to get Fred <laughs> in trouble, but that like, it's so funny too because he's one of the few guys uh, especially that you'll see after the game that's like always suited and booted like some guys will come up in t-shirts some guys will will walk up in in jean jackets or whatever other gucci stuff they got on uh but fred warner is always suited and booted so he's all dappered up and he's he's up at the podium he just kind of sits there hey fred uh you know so defense third second half shutout what'd you see from your guys today what was clicking well you know i'm gonna be honest man uh (laughs) kind of just did one thing kind of just dared them to beat us and they didn't next question like that that's how that's how i read a lot of these pressers from from the from not just him but the defense in general it's like we just think that our process is good enough to beat them over the course of an hour of 60 minutes on the field of play so that's that's to me where that like I guess the the difference would be on defense speaking of a uh, post game style choices you see what what Jimmy G wore to and from the Monday night football game. I imagine you did. Hard to miss it. Uh oh actually no, I did. This one of this you was didn't? one of the few things that I did miss. Yeah. Just what, like what a, have on? A, a bright pink suit. Just full pink, the jacket and the pants. Oh, I love that. And I mean I mean it was funny that I think it was ESPN, maybe it was NFL Network pregame was showing the teams, you know, getting off their buses and arriving to the stadium. And the camera was kind of messed up, it seemed like too. So it, I think it it kind of accentuated certain things, but Jimmy Garoppolo rolls out. And of course, I mean, he, he's looking great as, as normal. Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Guapo. <laughs> or as, as a Debo Samuel tweeted, Himmy Guap, of course. Himmy Guap. <laughs> Jimmy is him, according to Debo Samuel. Um, but he, he rolls out of the bus. He's got the, the full pink suit on. I think he's got sunglasses on. He's looking like Jimmy Garoppolo. Then they flash and they show Colt McCoy and he's just got like a normal button up on and his, face is all red looks like he's sunburnt from the mexico <laughs> sun it's not fair to colt mccoy to show him after you show jimmy garoppolo in a pink suit and it was at that moment evan i knew niners were not losing monday night not with jimmy garoppolo rolling in in a pink suit like that jimmy's also got kind of that um you know that 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 silver strand going he on does. Now. he's more it, gray than he has been yeah he's a silver stallion that jimmy garoppolo <laughs> i mean some people can't 
you know, like, for example, Kyle Shanahan. Uh, I don't know if you've seen, you know, some of the pictures when he took the job uh, 2017. Looked like a brand new young man, fresh face, looked, you know, 42 going on 22. And now he looks, uh, you know, 47 going on 67. It, so it some people like those, can't rock it like Jimmy it lo- G does. It looks like those uh, before and after photos of when you assume the presidency and after your first term is up and you can just tell all of the the emotional damage it's it's done to you it's that's what it looks like when you look at before and after photos of Kyle Shanahan well in a lot of ways the head coaching position is like I'm not going to say the presidency but it's like you are a political candidate like you have your supporters and then you have your abjectors (laughs) and then you're responsible for this entire team of people that really you have no control over you just kind of delegate duties to you make certain calls you know uh with with your legislation and you hope that it pans out over a long period (laughs) Period of time, and uh, maybe it's a less physical game, the the political spectrum. But you know what I'm saying? Like Kyle Shanahan isn't a lot. I think people do look at him like like this, this political guy that they have to follow. Um, not not to stray off at, down down the beaten path into politics here, but the point is Jimmy Garoppolo is making the silver hair look good. The silver is back in the Bay Area with Jimmy Garoppolo. It is, and Niner fans are getting a bit ahead of myself. You mentioned silver. Niner fans are rooting for the silver and black this weekend. The Raiders are up in Seattle taking on the Seahawks. Oh, so I think that's the, a good game. The Raiders can do the Niners a favor with a win up in the in the Pacific Northwest. That they can, but the Niners got to take care of business first at Levi's as this kind of begins a nice stretch for them at home. So they get the Saints this weekend, Miami next weekend, and then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So uh, kind of a, a lengthy stay at Levi's for them after, of course, going to Mexico City. Uh, they will take on the Saints on Sunday, 125 kick. Saints are 4-7. and seven. 49ers are 6-4, and four, again, in first place, tied uh, for, for first in, in the NFC West. Want to remind everyone to download, rate, and subscribe to the 415ers podcast coming at you three times a week on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network. Uh, Evan Giddings and Mark Randy. You can find us on social media. Check out at 415ers, Twitter, Instagram, all the rest. Okay, Mark, as for this game, kind of kind of tease it a little bit off the top through the middle. I do think this is going to be a tough game for the 49ers. I do. And I do think it's going to be a tough game also for Jimmy Garoppolo. And part of it is because of what I think of the Saints. Part of it is because I see some aggression coming from the Niners. But that doesn't mean that they can't win this game or that they shouldn't win this game. I think this is also going to be a test this weekend in itself of, okay, you have an opponent that's inferior, but you're riding a high. You're coming back from the road. You've been gone for two weeks. Kyle Shanahan returning to games off of practicing in in, in other states. I believe the stat's like one and four or something. But regardless, they have had slow starts recently at the beginning of games. All of that combined makes it not a trap game, but I think a tough spot for the Niners against a team, however, they should beat in New Orleans. Yeah, New Orleans comes in four and seven. I mean, Niners are nearly double-digit favorites. Now we'll get into game picks in a little bit, but right now I'm seeing nine and a half. So this is a game that the public and everyone expects the Niners to win and the Niners to win relatively easily. Um, but you mentioned New Orleans. I mean, they are... a I, I think they're a better team than their four and seven record shows. They've had some injuries, of course. Uh, I mean, they Jameis Winston hasn't been starting for them for a while. I know he's been pretty vocal how how upset and emotional he is over losing his starting job because of an injury. 
Andy Dalton hasn't been bad, but I mean, he's, he's been Andy Dalton. He hasn't been very good either. Um, Alvin Kamara has been in and out of the lineup a couple of times. Michael Thomas hasn't played in a really long time. He's out for the rest of the season, but they do have some talent. I mean, Chris Olave, rookie receiver from Ohio State, he's phenomenal. Uh, he's the team's leading receiver, and it's not particularly close at this point. They've really, really struggled to run the ball which I think is where they run into a bunch of issues because defenses just kind of give up at, at stopping that area because the Saints at times give up trying to run it. They're kind of similar to the Rams in that sense. You don't need to commit too many players into the box to try to stop their runs because the Rams have no success doing it and, and they simply move away from it and, and keep to the pass. I mean, their best runs a lot of the time are, are Taysom Hill in that quarterback or maybe you know as a skill position player, he gets the handoff. And he runs or he just, you know, runs it himself on a quarterback draw. Those are oftentimes their best runs. Um, and they're going to use Taysom Hill, I think, in this game pretty often. But I think what what the game will come down to is if the 49ers can limit Alvin Kamara in the passing game, because that's where this Saints team gets so many easy yards. Um, they are they have the seventh best passing offense in the NFL. They throw the ball a lot and they tend to have some success doing it, despite the fact that their quarterbacks aren't all that good and they're turnover prone and there aren't, they aren't the most accurate at times. They still throw for a lot of yards. And I think the easy ones that they get are on those dump offs. We talk about how nice it is for Jimmy Garoppolo to have a Christian McCaffrey security blanket. It's the same way for Andy Dalton and for Jameis Winston and even Taysom Hill, whoever's throwing the ball for the saints with Alvin Kamara. So if the 49ers can limit Alvin Kamara in the passing game, similar to the way they did Austin Eckler in the second half of that Sunday night game a couple of weeks ago, I think that'll go a long way for the 49ers to have success, but easier said than done because Kamara is, is one of the more dynamic players in the league. What about your boy, uh, Juwan Johnson? Juwan Johnson representing the Oregon Ducks. He has been phenomenal. He's he one of those. Has been. Yeah. He really has been. I, I don't know what it is about him, but whoever is throwing him the ball, whether it's Jameis Winston or Andy Dalton, he's just everyone's favorite red zone target. I mean, he's, he's getting all of his targets in the red zone. He's making a few catches, you know, between the twenties as well, but um, he's got a touchdown in how many straight games, like four of five games, five of six games, something like that. Had a, had a multi touchdown game in there as well. Uh, he's been phenomenal. Penn State transferred to, to Oregon for a year, and now he's showing out in the NFL. So, Yeah, Mark could tell you his entire life story. Uh, <laughs> really, anyone that went to the University of Oregon, Mark could give you uh, I tried my the, best. The, the lineage. No, but I do think that Jawan Johnson is he's a red zone target. I do think that teams will be able to maybe take him away more now that they know a little bit about him, I think that he... You can a... only hope to contain Jawan <laughs> yeah, Johnson. That's, that's, that's right. <laughs> so you can only hope to contain a Diamador Lenore, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. How down. about Cam Jordan, though? Cam Jordan. So he might not play this week. This is actually going to take me to my, my, my next point. <laughs> uh, Cameron Jordan, <clears throat> the California Golden Bears, uh, his bobblehead was given away a few weeks ago at... at uh, Memorial Coliseum. No, but so he's questionable. And actually, so this is also another reason why I do think this game is going to be tough for the for the Niners. The Saints have been, I think, a better team than their four and seven record reflects, and they have been extremely banged up. Now, they're going to get some of these guys back this week. 
So they're not going to have Pete Warner, who's a, a linebacker, supposed to be pretty good in coverage for them. Marshawn Lattimore is out, who is also a good cover guy. That's tough. Bradley Roby, who's been on IR for the past uh, month plus or so, is going to be back, or at least his his practice window is open, potentially going to be returning this week. He was at practice this week for the New Orleans Saints. He is a quality cover corner. And then defensive ends Marcus Davenport and the aforementioned Cam Jordan are questionable this week. They did not play against the Los Angeles Rams. Even with that, the Saints against a you know, again, abysmal Rams team uh, still had four sacks and eight quarterback pressures. They can get to the quarterback and they don't need blitzers to do it. This is a team that is in the bottom five in terms of blitz percentage. So they don't really send extra guys often. And yet so far this year, Mark, when it comes to sacks, they have had the most sacks in the NFL since week three. So if we're talking about a game where you're wondering if Jimmy Garoppolo could get happy feet, I think this could be a game. And that's also a reason why the Saints have not really been able to think to separate against teams. They don't turn over the football. Generally, quarterback pressure creates turnovers, but that has not happened for them this season. They have turned the ball over as an offense with Andy Dalton and turnover prone Jameis Winston 19 times. That is 30th out of 32 teams. On the opposite side, despite getting to the quarterback and creating a lot of sacks, they have only forced seven turnovers this year. That is 31st of 32 teams. Only two of those have been picks. So five fumbles. I think this could be a game where we see some oh no throws from Jimmy because of how much pressure the Saints create. The question is going to be, can they turn that into turnovers? Because as we've looked at throughout this season, when the Niners are in the minus side of turnover differential, they tend to struggle. When they're on the plus side, they're almost unbeatable. So if Jimmy Garoppolo can take care of the football against a team in the Saints that's getting healthy and that can get to the quarterback, then I think they're on the plus side of the field, the plus side of the scoreboard. Yeah, turnover battle is going to be huge. Niners are, are kind of slowly inching back towards even net zero in the turnover differential area right now. They're at slowly. negative one. Uh, huh? What was that? Slowly, 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 but surely. very slowly. I mean, they were at negative two, negative three, or maybe a month ago, and they're they're now they're getting closer at negative one right now, which is bottom third in the league. But you mentioned the turnover issues for the Saints; they are dead last in the NFL, a negative twelve turnover differential. That's kind of what you get when your quarterbacks are Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton. I mean, Winston famously had a 30-30 season, 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions, which is just incredible. What an accomplishment for Jameis Winston. It's pretty impressive. It really, really is. 30 interceptions. He's been better when he's played this year. Hasn't, you know, been throwing on average almost two interceptions a game. But still, I mean, 12, negative 12 turnover differential, that's what happens when those guys are your quarterbacks. But the, the other thing is, based on the talent that they have defensively, as you mentioned, they should be forcing more turnovers than they have. And I think you will see a regression regression back to the mean. But I also think for the 49ers, they are better than their negative one turnover differential suggests as well. I mean, with the way Jimmy Garoppolo is playing, we just spent a lot of this episode talking about if that can continue or if it's just another good four-game stretch. But considering you know all the playmakers they have on defense, I think before the season is up, we'll see this team creep into the top half, maybe even the top 10 in turnover differential. If this is, you know, these last four games are, you know, 
kind of signal what could be to come for the 49ers, but the turnover differential certainly is going to be huge. And I think you, you just look at the numbers defensively for the saints. Um, I mean, they've given up, uh, I mean, on the year 327 yards per game, which is 12th best in the NFL. So top half defense in terms of total yards per game, but points allowed 25th over 24 points per game. So the difference there, as you're talking about, is the fact that they're not forcing turnovers. Their offense is committing turnovers, getting you know, short fields for their opponents. The defense is giving up not many yards, but they're giving up points because their offense is putting them in bad spots. So I agree with you. I think the biggest factor in this game is the turnovers. Of course, you could say that for a lot of games, but it's really big in this one, considering these are, are quality defenses, and but, you know, the points that they give up on average are, are nowhere near each other. And a big part of that is because of the turnovers that their offenses commit or don't commit. Yeah, and that'll take us to our predictions for the game here as we wrap up this episode of the 415ers. Niners, Saints, Sunday, 49ers are favored by 9.5 points. Total is 42 for the game. I do think that in spite of kind of the the conversation that I've been plugging that we've been having about how I, I feel like this is going to be an aggressive game for the Niners, I don't think fans are going to be happy at the end of this game. That mm. said, I think the Niners will win. I think it's going to be 49ers 21, the Saints 16. So they will cover. I think it's going to be a game where, look, the Niners have recently on offense turned into a team that kind of favors the pass a little bit more than the run or plays the run off of the pass. Well, that is the one thing that the Saints do do well. They are eighth against the pass. Again, they get to the quarterback. They can make Jimmy Garoppolo uncomfortable. And when he gets uncomfortable, he tends to turn over the football, which, as we've discussed, is going to be the reason why this is a close or not close game. The one thing that gives me hope that the Niners can separate, whether it be early or late, is the fact that they have so many weapons that can do damage after the catch. And the Saints this year are tied for the third most missed tackles in football. They Mm. do not wrap up. And when you have guys like Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, George Kittle that can create space even against quality defenses, you are going to have to get that first opportunity to drag them down to the ground or they're going to move up and down the field on you. So I think that the Niners are able to capitalize on Three chances in the red zone. They convert them all into touchdowns, but they're a little bit fewer and far between. They win 21-16. Interesting. I like it. 21-16 for you. Niners win. I also think the Niners come out on top, and I say they cover the 9.5, but it's going to be a sweat. 27-17 Niners on top. 27-17 Niners. I think this offense is clicking too well. I know the Saints have a quality defense. Big names on the injury report. That'll be something to keep an eye on, as you mentioned before the game does start, Cam Jordan at the top of that list there. This is a team with 32 sacks, the same numbers, same number the Niners have. So this is a really quality defense, especially their front. Uh, that's going to be a big part of this game. But I have the Niners winning by 10, 27 to 17. I think the offense just too good, too talented, and they'll put up some points. The defense will not pitch a second half shutout, but they will be relatively stingy and they will not let Andy Dalton, Taysom Hill, whoever, get going too much 27 17 this might be the first time that we're on opposite sides of both the line and the total mark because you got them covering the nine and a half you got the over 42 (sighs) meanwhile i have the saints covering the nine and a half 
and I have the under at 37. Something's got to give. That it does. We'll find out on <laughs> Sunday as we appreciate you tuning in for this episode of the 415ers that you heard from us. Uh, reaction episode coming to you on Monday, three times a week. Odyssey Sports Podcast Network. Download, rate, subscribe. Five stars appreciated. Evan Giddings and Mark Grandy with you, and we will talk to you next time. Hope everyone enjoyed your Thanksgiving, Black Friday, this weekend. Go Niners, all that jazz. Happy Thanksgiving, guys. See you later.